You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, welcome back, queers. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of Thesis on Joan. Today we have an interview with Victor I. Casades. Thesis on Joan is a podcast dedicated to amplifying voices from the LGBTQ plus community in the New York performing arts scene and examining the industry from a queer perspective. Join us as we sit down with groundbreaking theater folks, both on stage and behind the curtain. For many queers, theater has been an escape, and this podcast looks to have open conversations on where we've come from and where we're headed as a community while queering the canon along the way. Hello, queers, and welcome back to Season 3. Today we have an interview with the playwright Victor I. Caceres, whose show American Televisions is opening the New York Theatre Workshop season. American Televisions is directed by Ruben Palendo, and it's a co-production with Theatre Me Too. It's playing through October 16th as the time of this recording, so you still have time to catch it. You can get tickets through New York Theatre Workshop, and we'll link to that in our show notes. Victor Icaceres is a non-binary, pause queer, indigenous Mexican artist who has had stints at Yale Brown and other less prestigious centers of rehabilitation. Like any border child, they were born twice, once in El Paso, Texas, and another in San Lorenzo, Chihuahua. During the pandemic, Victor debuted virtually at Carnegie Hall as part of the Voices of Hope Festival in partnership with National Queer Theater and the LGBT Center. They also teach a tuition-free class for emerging immigrant playwrights as part of PEN America's Dreaming Out Loud program. Plays include American Televisions and Pinching Pennies with Penny Marshall at New York Theatre Workshop. Ramsey's Contra Los Monstros, We Were Eight Years in Powder, and When We Write with Ashes, NQT and Lincoln Center Restart Stages. Victor is currently the Tal Playwright-in-Residence at New York Theatre Workshop. Well, thank you so much for being here, Victor. Like we were saying, this is an incredibly busy week for you. I can't believe we're stealing your holiday evening. I hope one day you'll forgive us. But thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me on the evening of Labor Day. <laughs> I had to stay sober all day. Um, so thank you. Thank you. I'm so sorry for ruining your day drinking plans. <laughs> Uh, no more brunch mimosa. Please have a big cocktail. Okay. I I actually have poured myself some tea, so I'll be very healthy. Oh, yeah. beautiful. Um, I'll, I'll keep the scalding hot tea 
internally so I don't say anything polemical today. Um, <laughs> That's also that fine. Too. <laughs> so, Victor, we usually start with having our guests share their name, their pronouns, and whatever how whatever you want to share of how you identify. Great. Uh, my name is Victor Icasares. I use they them pronouns. Uh, I uh, joking. So I jokingly like do. I am NB Pacoima. I'm a non-binary, pause, queer, uh, Mexican uh, playwright. That didn't all work out. I sort of like I, I, I like have so many identities. I forget about them every day. Um, <laughs> but it is a joking um, wink, wink. But also like very um, what's the word uh, earnest in some way, right? Like I I am pause. I am non-binary. I am Mexican. I'm from the border. Um, I, I'm an indigenous Mexican, right? Like I'm, I'm not a white Mexican. Um, and I think, which I think is important, um, to mention. Um, and I wish, I wish more, I wish there was more conversation about race and, uh, Latinidad uh, in the U S. Um, because it's, uh, yeah, it's a complicated issue already. I'm already being polemical. Listen to me. No, this is perfect. This is what we want to get into. Um, and we're going to get into talking about your show right away, which brings up a lot of these, a lot of these conversations. So American televisions is opening. Is that, do you say it just American televisions, even with the parentheses? I want to make sure I'm saying it correctly. How, how, how do you want to say it? I, I wanted to say American televisions. Okay. But, okay. <laughs> uh, how would you say it? Yeah, I would also just say American televisions I, there's a little i did a little parenthesis uh, parentheses gesture <laughs> for the listeners <laughs> i love that I, I i yes i love that american television yeah um <laughs> um and it looks a little like it looks a little like the just jack movement yeah. from i don't know if you watched will and grace mm-hmm. um yeah so like that's what the parentheses is right like the tele Man, now I want to get into a whole conversation about the parentheses. We might have to circle back to that. Um, so it's opening the season at New York Theater Workshop and starting previews in just a few days, as you were well aware, but just telling our listeners. Um, so the show is described as a collision between the American dream and the American nightmare. Can you tell us a little bit more about the inspiration for the play? Yeah, that the, that description makes it sound a lot more. I was like, oh wow, that's what I went with um, for describing the play American <laughs> Collision between the American Dream and the American Nightmare. Um, uh, I so I started the play fifteen years ago um, in Deb Margolin's class when I was an undergrad at Yale, um, and I I'd been wanting to write a play about about undocumented immigration, about dreamers. Um, there were a lot of raids happening uh, during the, the Bush years, um, like work raids, workplace raids. Um, deportations continued under Obama. Um, that's why we call him the deporter in chief. Um, like so many deportations. Um, but during the Bush years, there were like a lot of work raids and like it was, it was a huge issue. And I wanted to tell the story of a family or wanted to tell the story of of just like these lives being worth living right and being worth watching and worth experiencing and and also about how just like we have rights like people should have rights right like uh, no matter no matter your 
your migration status, your legal status. You deserve rights. You deserve to have life. You deserve to have a story told. Um, and you can't write a play like that. You can't write a play that is didactic. I mean, you can, but I didn't want to do that. Um, and I, so I just, I just kept, uh, circling around the issue. Then Walmart also was a, a big topic in 2007. We thought Walmart was the big villain of, of that time, <laughs> right? Like the, of that stage of, of capitalism, uh, Walmart being consuming everybody, um, r- running, uh, mom and pop shops like out of out of business and then i was listening to i was obsessed i still am obsessed with the magnetic fields in particular their song papa was a rodeo repeat all day <laughs> on repeat Sorry. all day it's, it's an amazing Continue. song And, uh, just like Papa was a rodeo and I, I saw, I saw Erica, who is the, the protagonist of American televisions say, my father is a television. My mom, she is a Christmas tree, little Debbie cake. And from there, it just unspooled. Um, and I, and I found this family and I found them living in this undocumented family, and I found them living in the shadow of the first Walmart in the entire United States universe. Um, and uh, I, I started to tell their story, um, and it, it came from that from that line. Um, yeah, that's a long-winded say, way of saying um, I wrote down two lines, and that's how I started the play. <laughs> that's so fascinating, though, of how, how it started and how long it's taken to get to this point. But congratulations on getting here. Um, thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. Um, I, I just remembered something else. Like, uh, the mm-hmm. other, my, my other part of this spiel, um, cause I, I've been like, <laughs> I, the, the nature of it, right? Like you have to like tell the story a lot. Um, is I, I was also, um, I was at MoMA PS1 on a date. Um, I'd like, we'd come into the city from New Haven and I was falling in love with this person. And I remember rounding the corner of a gallery at MoMA PS1. And I had seen in front of me, there was this like giant carpet that had been skinned from a mobile home. It was brown and it was like mounted on the wall. Mm. And I could see where it would look like a stove had been. I could see like cigarette burns. I could see where a couch had been. I could see like where people had traveled the most and stains. And like, it, it was, it was a palimpsest of a life lived on this carpet. Um, and it, it was very moving to me. And it reminded me of the mobile home that I had grown up in. Uh, and, and seeing that in this place of like high art that Momo, that Momo PS1 is right really allowed me to like dive deep into my own history and my own stories or like, just like the context for it, right. Of like, Oh, this mobile home, this mobile home that like I grew up in can like become a character in my plan, like help shape, Mm -hmm. um, this, this story, um, that I ended up telling or creating. Um, I feel like the, the inspiration for the story or like the reason I wrote it it was a, an amalgamation of so many things. Right. Um, even like the, a stupid thought, like if we are what we eat, 
then we are also what we watch. And if we're all watching American television, then we're all American. And like that kind of like identity and like what it is that like how we form an identity, how we form lives, um, how we form our rights um, became the uh, like just the key ingredients, I guess, to the play um, that just kept unspooling. Um, and in some way, like that's the only thing that I can do as a writer is just gra- gather up ingredients and then see how they unspool in front of me. But it's like it's really hard it's hard to say like, this is how I started. Mm. Um, <laughs> sure. Well, I'm going to be thinking about you are what you watch for the, the rest of this. Month. Thank you. <laughs> um, so what American, are you watching? Oh, right now I right now. am watching good trouble, which is the spinoff of the fosters, uh, mm. which is like a problematic fave. <laughs> but, uh, it's good. It's good. Like high drama with, early 20 somethings. <laughs> mm, I love problematic graves. Yeah. And it's yeah. like it, it it emotionally manipulates you in all the best ways. It's kind of like um oh my gosh, what was that show that just ended with the children and Mandy Moore? Uh This oh, is us. This is us. Yes, it's like that. Not as not as yeah. emotionally devastating, but it's still fun. <laughs> with the children and Mandy Moore. <laughs> Only way to describe it. We got it. there. <laughs> yeah. The only scene from This Is Us I've seen is the one with uh, I think Mandy Moore's mom is played by Elizabeth Perkins, right? Who's like yes. a racist on the show. Mm-hmm. I think, right? Does that mm-hmm. ring a bell? Yes. Seems right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the only scene I've seen. Uh, um, <laughs> it's like it, that's the kind of show that's like if you have parents or were a child like we're going to stab you in the feelings uh, <laughs> if you have parents or were a child <laughs> <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> <everyone>. <laughs> um so american televisions uses uh, a lot of multimedia and can you tell us more about breaking audience expectations and theatrical conventions to share the story yeah, uh, we, we, we use a shit ton of, of, of multimedia technology. Like we've, we've been breaking the operating system like every day. Um, there was this moment where like, I, I think there, again, I'm not a scientist, but I heard that like one time there was like so many cues in a minute that it literally shut down the system that we're using. <laughs> um, <wow>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And like sometimes like for their like for like literally like a 30 second sequence, there are, I, I don't know, again, not a mathematician, 20 cues, um, just wow. like for in this most. So like you, you I can hear this like our stage manager, Shelly, who's amazing, um, just like literally like she's basically performing a spoken word poem for like nine. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> release the tapes of that i love that (laughs) or those written into the script or those like directorial choices uh so so when the first line of a of of like when the first line of a play like when you write the first line of a play and it's like my father is a television um things just like unspool from that um and and like it it just like there there are things that are on screen um it's just like i i just i denote on the script um Sometimes a character speaks on television and I'll say um, the character speaks on television or on a screen. And I 
I wrote those words not knowing, one, that it would take 15 years to produce, or um, that it's like, that there would that there is a difference. There would be a difference between television and screen. Um, and we're finding, we're finding that in tech. Um, and also the, the play, the play is very nonlinear, temporality shift. So there are di- uh, directorial moments of just like, oh, and now we need an, a different environment or a different like sort of lighting. And we also have this like brilliant lighting designer, um, Jeanette Yu, who like just has this, am- like her, like her, her lighting is a projection as well, right? Like it's very high tech. It's, it's its own media. Um, and yeah, I forgot the question. <laughs> You're answering the question no, about great. the multimedia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My bumper should have just been, this is word salad. <laughs> Not at all. It's a great salad. <laughs> and you mentioned that there's a lot of jumps in um, perspective or time. At one point, the word um, multiverse was used to describe the show. And we've actually spoken to a lot of queer artists who are creating multiverse plays, multiverse works. Do you think that there is something inherently queer about a multiverse? Or why do you think it might be appealing to to queer writers? I I mean, I, I think... I can't speak for other queers, but I can speak for me. Um, and I, I think the multiverse is before it was a multiverse. Um, like, like I, I guess, like like anybody, I loved time travel when I was a kid, right? Like, I loved any storyline that had time travel. I, I loved forward jumps. I loved alternate realities and dreams um, that happened inside a narrative, which creates its own reality, right? Like, a, a dream is a different universe. Um, but I think like the, the most, the, huh, the original Genesis, I think for my interest in this kind of storytelling is I loved, I remember discovering fragments of, um, of plays from the Greeks, right. Of like that, that we have, that all we have left of some of these plays are fragments and, like and in some way like a multiverse is just a fragment right we're not experiencing the entirety of multiverses we're just very like it's more just like this fragmentation that we're able to inhabit or or explore and i think the play has these fragments as multi multiverses and it just align all together to create this current um, experience of the play, or and I don't even know if it's the experience of the play, but it's like the experience of Erica, right? Like we're seeing, we're seeing this multi, we're seeing the story play out through these fragments of memory that Erica has assembled into into uh, a version of the multiverse that we have. I don't know. I, I sound like a, uh, I don't know what I sound like. Uh, word salad um, oh, or word cloud. Super fascinating. <laughs> word rainbow cloud. Um, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it's such a good fit with the the media stuff you're talking about too. And ex- yeah, yeah. No, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for you to see it. Oh my god, it's, us too. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> um, and in an interview with Token Theater Friends, we love them. Uh, you had said, love them. "Yes, uh, I write stories that go." Hi, beyond- Jose. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> we love Jose. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you had said, I write stories that go beyond the real world, but reflect it. And how have you seen this in your current show and in your other work too? 
So I just want to say I don't remember saying that, and I don't know what I meant then. Um, <laughs> must be a victim from another multiverse. Um, <laughs> um, I, I just I, I. I'm not interested. I, I I don't know what I'm interested in. Um, I, <laughs> I I like I, I like to be excited. I like to not be bored. I, I hate being bored. Um, and I'm usually like I, in my regular life, I'm not I'm not bored. Right? Like what what is that like thing that um, January Jones says in Mad Men um, as Betty Draper? Only boring people get bored or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so when I'm sitting in a, in a, in a play in a theater and I get bored, I was like, I, I know that this is not my fault and it's not my fault that I'm bored. Like that it's the only time, um, that I am really not responsible for being bored. Um, and, and so I, I, I want to avoid that. Um, I, I want to, yeah, I think that's why I'm interested in other world. I, I don't know. Like, it, it's like, I, I like seeing risk. Um, I like seeing different lives coming together and they're not and, and when different lives come together they're messy so i don't understand why we're not seeing messy lives on stage um i don't understand why we're not seeing messy realities why we're not seeing um this i don't explosions of emotion explosion like of of different different wants and desires conflicting desires conflicting truths happening um and, and that's, I, I guess, like, that's the energy that I want to bring to the work that I make and, and the work that, like, satis satisfies me is is that, um, again, I tend to not answer your questions. Um, <laughs> it's like, here's, um, um, here, here's, like, my guess at what you want from me. <laughs> no, you take it in the direction we never knew that we wanted, and it's what we want. So it's great. <laughs> Uh, we wanted to ask you about this incredible cast and creative team you have together. We've been seeing some of the behind the scene rehearsal photos. Very excited. I mean, we're a little biased because we had Ryan on the podcast previously. So we're very excited to see Ryan in the show. But can you tell us more about working with this cast and creative team? Uh, I, I love them. I, I love all of I'm, I love I love the entire cast. I love the entire creative team. I love everyone at New York Theater Workshop. It, it is a room full of so much fucking love. Like it, it is, and it, and it has remained so even like during the, the during tech. Um, it, I used to have, I used to have like a wound or even a chip on my shoulder about how long it it's taken for my career to like have this visibility and then also for American televisions to get produced. Right. Like I, I wrote, cause I wrote the bulk of it in 2000, between 2007 and 2009. Um, and, and obviously I've been working on it since and like, you know, like, but the, the, the main conceits and the central arc and the central narrative and like the, 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 the point of view like has been since like 2007. Um, and it, it, it really was a wound. I was just like, oh, my God, like, why? Why not me? Like, it, had I been white, like, I would have been called this wunderkind, right? Like, all of these things. And and I think it, it, it was interrupting my joy. Um, and it wasn't until I landed in this rehearsal room um, 
however many weeks that was ago, right? Like where I looked around like it was the, um, cause the cast was there, the creative team was there. We have like this wonderful, amazing creative team of designers. Um, and I have an amazing director and amazing like stage management. And I, I finally just looked around. It's like, Oh, I needed this team. These were the people that I needed. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't imagine not being here in this moment with the, with these people. Like, this is what I needed to find. I needed to find this team. I needed to find this tribe. I needed to find this, uh, family, this, this kin. Um, like this is who I need to find. And, and that has just restored or, or has just let this be just joyful and not think about it as this like way I was thinking about it. I, I'm sure like there was like structural racism and structural classism and homophobia and like all of those things I'm sure have kept like other aspects um, of, of my career, like in, in whatever, but even like looking at it that way, I, I just, I like the reality in the world that I'm in right now so much that like, this is, it, it just really feels I needed this. Um, there's that like the cliche of divine timing and that we, like it, it, you never, and, it, and it's true though. Like you're not in control of, of the timing of, of when, especially when you're making art and when you're making theater. Um, so I, I think the, the key for me going forward is trying to make sure that writers like me are feel supported and are supported on their way to finding the, the kinship, the family, the tribe, the, 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 that, that, that group of family that they need in order to make their work. Like how do, how do we keep, how do we keep artists healthy, housed, sane, like happy, um, and producing, um, because I, I, I was like, sort of, I, I was in a depressed state. I, I like, I was, uh, I became so frustrated with, um, with, with, with my stalled career as a playwright, um, got depressed, uh, developed a meth addiction and really went away, um, uh, for a long time, um, and yeah, so I, that's, I, I want to, I want to work on ways to avoid that for other people. Um, cause it's not the yeah. promise of a production. Like that's not mm-hmm. it, but just like, it's, I know that you're a talented writer. Let's make sure that you keep writing and be invested in, in, in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you actively work to do that through your work with the dreaming out loud, Pan America program. So can you tell us a little bit more about that program and your role? Dreaming Out Loud is my, uh, I, I'm, I, it's like uh, my pride and, and joy of, um, we started as Dreaming Out Loud is a program that's been happening, like that Pan America has been organizing for, um, immigrant writers, um, in New York city, that uh, were like interested in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Last year, um, while we were in lockdown, um, was the first year that um, Pan America, together with New York Theater Workshop um, and 
and with um, NQT um, put together uh, a playwriting workshop, a, a playwriting section, and I was invited to be the the uh, the teacher, professor, I, I don't know what it, I don't, I don't like whatever, like the, the leader of this workshop to teach playwriting to other uh, immigrant students. Um, and it, it's, uh, it's just such a joy to teach plays and theater to people that um, maybe have not thought of themselves as playwrights or like, or, or um, having like, or some some of them some of the students like hadn't uh, seen a play before either, um, and uh, and and to like be able to harness their impulses and and to like make sure like to to, to just like reassure them like it's your impulse that you have to protect, um, and not whatever like structure that people are going to try to place on it or like this like these rules of play like there are no rules to playwriting like there there like there are no rules to formatting either. Um, you just have to discover the format yourself. Um, and that seeing the, and the creativity that came from that and that comes from my, like these students, um, is, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I moved beyond words. Um, they're, they're so smart. They're so creative. They, they write from, from such bravery and courage. Um, can't, uh, I can't wait uh, to teach the class next year, uh, hopefully, if they have me back again. Yeah, I love your emphasis not on, like, productions, but on investment in the work. Um, and you've said that linear storylines lead to genocide. And can you tell us how, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're getting heavy here. Uh, can we you... just keep quoting you back to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um can you tell us how this thought influences your work and your mentoring and teaching? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just parroting, um, a phrase from my, my mentor, uh, from grad school, uh, Eric, uh, Eric N. Um, I, I think like Eric might've just said it as a throwaway line, um, once like in, in workshop because Eric, had this way of just like would say like these like sage um just uh like uh very big big moments and big ideas in a sentence and then like would keep on um just like <laughs> keep on speaking <laughs> not realizing that like he had just said something really brilliant um and i remember he said that and the sentence just hit me and became a sort of organizing well, it was already an organizing principle in my life. I just hadn't made that connect, like, of just, like, linear storytelling is is a tool um, that is used to simplify our lives, to flatten lives. And, and I think that is, like, something that, like, genocide does, like, that fascist governments, fascist uh, dictatorships um, do in order to commit um, genocide, right? Like, it's it's a flattening of of identity, it's a flattening of, of lives, flattening of problems, flattening of of who a country is for, right? Um, and uh, and I think ultimately it also like makes this idea that there is an origin, right? There there is one there's one point 
that everything comes from. And there's a line that we have straight to that origin. And that is just false. Right? Like there's so many, there's so many origins, there's so many points in time um, that we can trace this current moment back to. Um, historically, this little, this moment that we have together, this moment that we have in this country together, this moment that we have in this country and this world together. Um, and, and I think plays, movies, shows, any, anything that we make, any art, any great art, any art that I like, um, that I love, that I'm moved by does that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And speaking of breaking that, that linear path and those storylines, um, there was a tweet that was saying that Latinos make up about 20% of the U.S. workforce, but less than 10% of the publishing industry. You shared this on your, your Twitter, and you said that you actually think it might be worse in theater. So what are some of the changes that you would urgently wish to see to help change that statistic in the theater industry? I urgently need to know how deep in my timeline did you go? <laughs> it was pinned. It was pinned. It was near the top. <laughs> we go really into research on this show. <laughs> All right. We're creepy stalkers. We're sorry. <laughs> Megan is a great tweet stalker, I have to say. <laughs> Thesis on Joan Stalker. Yeah, uh, big time. Sorry. <laughs> we call ourselves um, fan queers because the love and the and oh, the research goes deep. There's a rebrand. There's been a rebrand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is it again? What's the... Fan queers. Fan queers. Yes, I think Megan came up with that too. <laughs> <laughs> I, Someone else probably did first. It's good. <laughs> listen, I love a rebrand. I love love a rebrand. Um, uh, a, a rethinking. Um, I the the question is, what do I need? Um, or what, what what is? What are the changes that you want to see in the is, industry? Um, I I mean I there's so many changes that I want. Um, I. I would, I would just like, like it to be, uh, one in terms of Latinx, Latin, Latinidad, um, uh, identity. I, I need there to be, uh, a more thorough conversation about race and class, 
um, within this identity, right? Within this group of people, this this demographic um, creation of the Nixon administration, right? Like Hispanics, um, because, like is a we we trace the idea of that term to the like I think the 1970, 19 like so like one one of the, one of the 1970s census, um, and. Like what it means, like I'm not, I'm not fighting the idea of. I, I'm not interested in policing whether people identify as Latino or not, or or like what it, but like just I, I want there to be an acknowledgement that Latin America was colonized by European people, and there are people like there are people that like have that like that it it is not. Uh, it, it is not such an easy story um, that we're telling of Lat- Latinos, right? Like there, there's mm-hmm. like the, the media that, that I grew up with, like on Univision and like on, on Televisa, which like I grew up on the border. Um, those telenovelas had like all like just a lot of white people, right? Like it was like it was like the protagonists of those stories were white very light skin, very white passing, um, Mexicans, uh, with blue eyes, blonde hair. Um, and I think that, that, that racial idea like continues in the U S as well. Like it should not like that. We need to have a conversation about that. Like it is, it is, it is important, um, to talk about race and Latinos, uh, Latinidad or Latinx, Latine. Um, it's not enough for there to just be more, Latinos on Broadway or off Broadway. I want there to be more brown and black Latinos on Broadway, right? Off Broadway in the published, like I, that, those are the stories that I want. Those stories that I need. And I think those are the stories that we haven't been telling. Mm -hmm. Um, just like, like, especially for talking about, um, from this place of justice and equity and equality and, and like, um, restore <laughs> restoration. <laughs> um, it, it's, we can't keep giving opportunities, um, to rich white passing Latinos, right? Like that, that just cannot, I don't want that to continue happening. Um, they're, they're like, they're, they have structural advantages over those of us that are not that identity. Um, especially like people that are like of black and, indi- and indigenous descent, um, of people from like Latin America, um, or immigrants from like that come to the U S. Um, and yeah, <laughs> my God, am I going to get, uh, <laughs> polemical side of the bed? <laughs> no, this is great. Yeah. I think there's so many conversations that need to happen within different demographics, like Asian, right. Also covers like such a huge continent right of so many different identities Mm -hmm. and there's different privileges and uh oppressions that people face within that and you know i think because we live in a white supremacist world the white people are only ready to talk about like the superficial things and i i want it to go like so much deeper than that yeah Yeah. thank you for sharing and it's not only like the white people like it's like white latinos right Mm -hmm. like it it is like a again like i'm not being divisive like it, it is not like I, I don't think I'm being polemical in like stating like that there that there is a racial history. Um, oh yeah, absolutely not in Latin America, um, which is where 
quote unquote Latinos come from, right? Like I'm quoting, like I, I I'm, I'm using these terms and I'm not like, it's, it's a little bit of a wink wink. Cause I, I don't, I'm skeptical of a Latino identity, like from this, like I, I, I it doesn't tell me enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to jump but, to our, our final few sections for time. Um, the, yeah. this is, we, we do this with every guest. Uh, hopefully it's fun. Um, our first section is called, <laughs> if it's boring, we won't do it because we don't want to be bored. We've learned this. <laughs> I'm and not Victor was like raising all. a teacup as you said that, Harold. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's adorable too. Um, okay. So the first section we call queering the canon. So you've mentioned you're influenced by classic plays like plays of Thornton Wilder. Uh, what from the theatrical canon would you like to queer? You could write a queer adaptation or queer casting. Uh, let's make a chorus line queer. Um, <laughs> Do it. Queerer. Oh my god. Um, like I'm, I'm gonna choose violence today. Um, let's let's <laughs> let's queer David Mamet and see what happens. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, <laughs> the right choice. <laughs> wow. Is there I a like the broadness play? of let's see what happens too. <laughs> like, yeah, what play? Not my problem, right? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, is there like, I mean, should it just be American Buffalo or should it be, are there other ones that should be queered? American Buffalo. Let's, 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 let's do it to American Buffalo and like maybe they find like a, a queer state border. That's about the board, the quarter, right? Is that about the quarter? I think it's about, I honestly have never read it or seen it. (laughs) It's about a coin. (laughs) (laughs) Don't plan on it either. (laughs) Well, they're going to bring it back in like two years, so we'll have another opportunity. Probably. (laughs) Isn't Darren Chris in it right now? No, that was. He was, yeah. Wow. Right? Like that just happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's three men in it. We could figure out something. Let's do it with Muppets. Muppet Mammoth. Queer Muppet Mammoth. Muppet Muppet Mammoth Monday nights. Wow. In a bar. In the East Village. It could be done. I'm there. That would be great. I'm there. It's I'm hard to like think what would make him more upset though, like the queerness or the muppetness. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I'm afraid. Like, I, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm afraid of David Mamet. Like, there, there is like he's like there's something like like he's a Republican conservative that like goes on like you know right. It gets produced on Broadway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. In, in this, like, it, yeah. No. After after like an insurrection. Right. Like what to end our democracy. Right. Like, how is it that like, I, I just don't I have a lot of questions. I, I have a lot of questions um, about how we got here <laughs> yeah. and how he's one of our storytellers. But, well, yeah. he's not right. Like, I think we get to choose like he's not my storyteller. He's not your storyteller. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like um, and, and it's I, I guess like I ask of other people, how is he your storyteller? 
right? Like mm-hmm. how, like, what is it, um, what is it about this? I mean, I tell like linear storytelling. Mm. Um, yeah. Although Glenn, um, Glenn Gary Green Rouse, I, I, that's not the name, but I'm, I'm purposely not remembering <laughs> it. It sounds close enough. Yeah. Glenn yeah. Gary Clearing House. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> the one with the big checks. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. The one with Alec Baldwin um, <laughs> in the movie, like uh, that's like that. That's commentary on capital. Why are we still talking about David Mamet? Yeah, <laughs> <can> move on. <laughs> we We've already given it too much time. <laughs> Moving on to our <laughs> queer culture wrecks. So this is where we ask our guests what type of queer culture are they indulging in. So it could be music it could be a tv show it could be uh, an event that you've been to what is and it doesn't even have to be like it can be queer to you it doesn't have to be queer to everyone well i'm i'm uh so i i live i, I live in portland um with with my partner when i'm in portland and then when i'm in new york i live with my partner's sister who's my sister-in-law and together her, her name's Naveen, and together we've been watching The Sopranos. Um, rewatch like it's like probably like my like seventh or eighth time rewatching it, um, wow. and and it's her first. And I think The Sopranos is like the queerest show that ever happened. Um, it is it is such a queer show. Um, it the one the the language the mal the um the mis mis misattributions of of the, like it's it's camp it is high camp but it is also very serious um it the, there's like of course like the grand guignol style of violence um that happens in there um and the the attention of that show to to the women of of these lives of of the of, like that have mob lives um is is just so compelling um and 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 it's it's a show about our relationship to capitalism right and our relationship to violence and 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 about a denial of of like responsibility or or how we negotiate our own culpability um it it is a brilliant show and it's hilarious um and the the hair and the nails on that show. <laughs> I've always been like considering it because I love Edie Falco, but like oh. n- now that you've told me it's also camp and queer, okay. Yeah, I've never yeah. watched it, but you really sold it. <laughs> That's what HBO. I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> HBO doesn't need that little dragon anymore. They just need you. Yeah. They just need Edie Falco <laughs> popping up. <laughs> <laughs> They just need you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, oh my god! I, invite me back when you watch The Sopranos. After you great. like, invite you me do back. Do a special episode of just Soprano <laughs> recap. Yeah. So many theater actors from like so many New York theater actors are like are in there, and um, and if if it, if if you start the first season, and and it goes a little slow. Uh, you can like skip to the third season, um, and, and then come back. Like, just like just in ter- in terms of like your own pacing and like what you mm-hmm. want. Like, I think like no matter. And again, because I don't believe in linear storytelling, I think you can jump into that show 
at any point and then just like sort of work your way back um, on a loop. Oh, okay. This is right, we'll be in touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I clearly already know this, uh, but how could other folks follow you online? <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what did you tell us, Megan? <laughs> tell people how to follow me online. Oh, so you're very available. <laughs> you even got some great podcast interviews. There was that great um, inter- video interview you did at the workshop that we could link to. That was awesome. Um, but yeah, we got your we got your Twitter and Instagram handles at the ready. So. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. You can find me on uh, the Joy of Victor on any of your favorite apps. I, I'm really excited about uh, people coming to see American televisions. Every day in rehearsal so far has been, uh, and, and not, not just me saying it um, as as the writer, but everyone that that has walked in has commented on how they've never, one, seen the workshop space, that theater space look like it does for American televisions, and two, have never seen anything on stage that resembles what we're seeing. Um, it's wow. It promises to be a very unique experience and it's all because of the amazing creative and cast team that we have um and supported it's a huge huge risk and new york theater workshop has been behind me behind us every step of the way awesome so excited to see it yeah we can't wait and thank you so much for coming on, Victor. We we appreciate it. We appreciate you giving us your labor today on Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I I would not labor anywhere else on Labor Day than here. Oh, thank you. We're honored. <laughs> Break legs with the run. We'll see you there. Thanks for listening. If you like, please rate and review us and share us with your friends. So excited to hear your queer culture recommendations or any of your ideas on how we could queer the canon. You can call us, yes, actually call us and leave us a voicemail at 845-445-9251 or send us an email at Until next time, keep it queer. <laughs> Not that it'd be that hard for y'all to do. My, my teacup and teapot game is really strong. Um, yeah, I could tell. I love this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> wow. Doing it right. <laughs> hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Dot org because only together we rise.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.